Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, I am thrilled to uh, have our first Norwegian conversation. I'd like to welcome Jennifer Wold from TEDx Trondheim to the show. Jennifer, how are you? I am doing excellent today. How are you? I am I am great. You um, you mentioned before we went on the air that you uh, spent the last two hours hiring people for your next show. Oh, my gosh. Yes. This, so so it, TEDx is a job, isn't it? Well, it, you know, it, it's it's a job of the heart. Um, oh yes, you can't you can't just everybody is all in or all out. That's kind of just how it is. You you need to it needs to it's got to burn. You got to burn for it. And so we consider our people staff, and so we we hire them on. They're you get volunteers. No, we don't do that. You're in I, it to win it. <laughs> you know, I I've heard that several times, and I'm just getting ready to uh, put out our call for uh, volunteers. And I, um, I'm in this lucky position of getting to talk to TEDx organizers around the world and get like tips and tricks and best ideas, and then using uh, the hub and the Facebook group to, you know, when I've got a specific question. And one of the things I love about the community is how helpful we all are to one another. Yeah, we've we're pretty lucky in our position because we have a lot of students and um oh. our our group oh i just my mother might try to call and i don't want that so i've just decided to mute my computer uh, <laughs> she always hops on when i'm doing stuff like this see that's how real i keep it over here um we have found that our community here in norway is rather small so we all do know each other and so we we tend to give each other those tips and tricks um but but for some reason because we're student-based 80% of us are students. I'm not a student, but 80, I speak in the general us. And they just sort of fall into our lap. I'm not even kidding. I love that. Um, I actually got a good story about that one. Well, I want to save that for a second because I want to hear a little bit okay. more about you. Um, as our listener may notice, um, I'm not detecting any Norwegian or Viking uh, in in your accent. Where, where are you from originally? I'm from a teeny town in New Hampshire, uh, America, um, but my family is from Boston. So when people ask, I say Boston because that's easier to find than Deerfield, New Hampshire. And and how did you get it to uh, Trondheim, which is so beautiful? By the way, um, I'm going to post some. I normally post uh, TEDx pictures, but you live in such a beautiful place that there are some iconic photographs that I'm going to put on the show post because people should um, book a trip and come visit you. Oh, they should. <laughs> I, my way here is actually fairly roundabout. I am a classically trained French chef and with a hotel and restaurant manager background. I'm a and, chef. And I, uh, it, t- it took me all over the United States. And I was actually living out west when I had um, my my back went bad, and I was mm, home mm. on the couch, uh, and 
it was when Facebook was really new. I met my husband on Facebook, and wow. he's Norwegian. Okay, yes. <laughs> and he's from Trondheim. Yes. And I came here to visit, and it looks so much like Vermont. It has oh. that same oh. small town, beautiful, like the red and white barns, and it just, I got here and went, yeah, I know this place. Right. And we got married in 2008, and I've been here since August of 2008. And, and how did you... Um, fall in love with Ted. You, you, when you wrote me originally, you said, I'm a Ted head. How did that start? Um, I caught one of the first videos in 2006 when it was posted. It was a young man talking about building a windmill to bring electricity to his um, village in Africa. And it struck me. It just, it, one of those things that, that just, you hear it yeah. and yeah. you go, wow. Yeah. And who is Ted? Right. <laughs> it was at the time when people didn't know. And yeah, it was a that started... Yeah, it was a secret. And since that was when they first started releasing them online, I just I kept up with it. I never stopped watching. And it's one of those one of those beautiful things that you don't necessarily have to search out that oftentimes TED videos fall into your lap through social mm -hmm. media or mm -hmm. you Google or YouTube something else. Mm -hmm. And every time I've had a difficult time in my life, some beautiful TED talk comes just falling into my hands that I needed to hear. Um for example, one of my most favorite is I've got 99 problems and palsy is one. Uh, that talk, um, when my back went bad, it, it has given me some opportunities where um, I call them opportunities instead of you know problems where I haven't always I've, been able I've to noticed, walk real well. I've, I've noticed that, yes. You're a Tedster, I can tell. <laughs> and so when you can't walk well, um, you forget that you can or can can in this case. And I always felt like I, I couldn't. And listening to her, I always went, I can can, you know, there's those moments when I go, wow. it's so hard to get out of bed, but I can can I can do this too. And so there's, there's talks like that, that just, you know. And so TEDx comes along and you say, Oh my gosh, we have to do that. When was your first one? My first one with this, um, it was actually last November. 2016. 2016. Um, and it was a hundred people, right? Cause it was no. You, did you have someone who had been to Ted so you could um, yep. do that? Our group is actually pretty unique. Our founder, Martin Hassel. Um, he was the only person translating Ted talks into Norwegian in Norway. Oh my God. And so Ted and TEDx were like, who is this crazy guy? And why does he translate all these videos? And so in 2010, I believe, or early 2011, he was invited to a conference because they're like, this guy, had this is, right. this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And he's been a license holder ever since. And he oh. had his first event in 2011. There were three people, himself and his dad and his brother. Yep. And last year, our, our conference was 400 people. We sold out the house. We had 12 speakers, three performers, and an exhibition. I love that. And how many we people are the on the if team? Seen, at that I'm sorry. Point, I'm sorry. Let me finish. If we've seen what? If you've seen the Lego Firewalk on Instagram or TEDx, that was our thing. Twenty thousand Legos. That was one of our exhibitions. We're pretty proud of that. Lego <laughs> Firewalk. Please send me that link, and I want to oh, put will. it on the show so that people will see that Lego Firewalk. That's a whole show in itself. <laughs> I have now. Have you? You know, when when we look at the map, and uh, one of the things I did with Hacking the Red Circle was I thought it was it's so spectacular how f widespread TEDx is, and it's introducing us. I mean, it's like a geography class in and of itself. <laughs> um, so I put a map on every page, 
and uh, so that we could see where it is, so we could all start to learn. And so we yeah. find that Trondheim is in this beautiful place. You're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Have you gone to other TEDx's? I have not. Um, it's been one of those things where, because of health reasons, I've been fairly stuck in the same area. Um, but we do have a group in in Oslo that we are actually sending some of our people to. Our new program like director exchange. and our program manager. Yep. We have a group in Arendal, uh, Norway, who we uh, had representatives at last year, and we will this year. We have a group in an area called Moshon. And they held their very first TEDx event just recently. And we um, had two of our speaker coaches go up and help coach their speakers a bit. And so it's, I have not gotten to go, uh, I've not gotten to go to another one, but um, that will change. Now I know you're going to live stream Vancouver this year. How many people do you have show up your live streams? We usually, uh, the space that we use is a community co-working space. Uh, We have two in our city. Sure. And this one is dedicated to sort of VR, um, gaming technology, that sort of stuff. Yeah. They allow us to take over their space. They've got a really cool bar. And they have a whole basement full of pinball pinball machines. They believe in play and work. Yes. So they can fit 80 people. And last year there was a wait list, but we we keep it to, to what can fit in this place called Work Work. Oh, I, I love that. We partnered here at TEDx Santa Barbara with a co-working space called the Impact Hub. They are the best partners. Oh, my gosh. And they just, it's like such a can-do attitude. Let's just make this happen. And, yep. you know, the volunteers. I Again, there's, there's so a million things to talk about. One of the questions that I ask is, you know, there's a format with TEDx. Like there's mm. certain things, not that we have to do, but there's, a, a format we've all kind of adopted, right, in, mm. in how we do what we do, yet we're encouraged to make our event unique to our community. And everybody's interpretation of that is very different. What's yours? I think what what our take is is the combination between our volunteers and the fact that we are, by virtue of the university we have in our town, which is the Norwegian um I can only think of it in Norwegian. It's the technology, science, medicine university. So we are very tech and and science heavy uh, group. So we have 50 volunteers from 33 countries or 34. I think I just hired my 34th country today. And the thing that, the thing that makes us, us is that we have people from the hard sciences all the way down to a, a professional cabinet maker who works for Mm. us. And we have engineers and and English teachers and physiotherapists and all sorts of really cool backgrounds. And so combining the countries that we have, the backgrounds that they have, the fact that we are a very forward thinking, we've been Toronto has been called the the next Silicon Valley. We have this beautiful blend of old, but with cutting edge and with perspectives from so many nations, it's it, it never ceases to amaze me the, the point of views um, our group has on who we should have on our stage. Is that the biggest how, surprise to you? You know, it's, I don't want to say that's the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise is the fact that we have never, never, ever asked publicly for volunteers and they find us. What? Wow. Here's, here's, I was telling you, I said huh. earlier that I have a really great story about our volunteers. 
after our last event, there was only about 14 or 16 of us and we were exhausted. Last year was a very tough event for us to pull off. And we had 20 day of volunteers that, that event. Um, but then we went back to our regular group. Our program director had, had found a job in a new city and she moved and our founder curator, Martin and I were going to saying to nobody, but the universe and ourselves, we need people and we need these qualifications and we need people who have this drive and have, have the want to do this. And between the 10th of November, when we got our first application for a volunteer until January 12th, when we had our official year start team meeting, we had where we were at 43 staff members. And between that staff meeting and today, we are now at 50. And what and is I, the regular team size that meet? I mean, how often do you meet? I'm curious. We meet in full every three months. Right. But each inside of our organization, we have seven teams. We have, um, we have a monthly team meeting for each team, like an official team meeting. Right. But our, our tribe, we call ourselves the wild tribe. Our tribe gets together on a weekly basis. We do. We have a a very full social calendar. And is that we the senior teams? The senior team. No, this is this is everybody from all over the place. There'll be people from from our event team that does the just logistics and sort of like the the hour by hour planning sort of right. thing. Right. There'll be someone from that department, and then someone from creative. And creative will go, "Hey, I need help with this idea," and people will just show up. Wow. We have directors directors and, and managers meeting, you know, we usually try to meet once a month too. But the thing is, is that we are so socially active with each other. Um, right. when you're expats, you make your family where you find it. Mm-hmm, and so that's, mm-hmm, that's why we, mm-hmm. we believe in tribe first work second. God, I love that. I, w- one of the things that's so, you know, for the, the people that are listening to the show, they're, they're veterans, they're first timers. There are people who've stumbled upon this and like thinking maybe I should run a TEDx. And I'm what I'm hoping is is that we kind of raise the bar and we all get better as a result of us learning from one another, which is, is in fact true. But one of the things, listener who's listening right now, the idea of community and connecting to this tribe of people that you're you're with that group of people all year long you're with your audience kind of one day right that one day mm. but it's that tribe that you're working on. I, I love that one of the um one of my fascinations in conversation is uh finding out what people's superpowers are um there's as you know there's there's so much to do but there's there's one thing that you're great at it's it, organizing collaborating producing marketing curating partnering if you could pick one and you could have two, but what are you, what are you best at? See, that's where I have a really hard time. I've been thinking about that for the last few days. Cause I had written in my, my email to you and you know, who's interested in talking to me, but I am the Swiss army knife of human beings. <laughs> it, it is the only way to, other than multi-potentialite, which um, Emily from the putty tribe did a, a Ted talk about, about how some people are specialists and some people just, they, they are, they're a generalist. They can do anything. And so for me, it is, it's this ability to see the overall picture and like the dream formulates and then I can see, then all of a sudden it splinters in all those smaller pieces and then my gut instinct takes over and goes, 
who needs to do these things? Who's right for this? And so it's like that being able to be a multifaceted tool to like take care of the thing at the moment, what needs me most right now. Um, so I have people who are very specialized in what they do. Our event director on the planning side, she is phenomenal, but she's a specialist. It's what she does. And thank mm-hmm. and I am happy mm-hmm. to have her. But for me, I, I see the entire picture. So I kind of would say I'm a producer in general. Um, that's sort of where I put myself probably. And then from there on out, I do whatever is necessary. And now I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do a callback here because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the same person. I, I, I totally resonate with this. I think it's because we're both trained as chefs. Yeah. There is no single job in a kitchen, right? <laughs> if you are not willing to wash the dishes, peel all the potatoes right. and also make sure the the menu is planned, um, then you have no business. <laughs> I had a, I had a chef work for me where, um, was in the first week and I uh, was got to towards the end of the day and I handed him a mop. He goes, what's this for? I said, we're cleaning up. And he goes, Oh, I don't mop. And I says, Oh, and you don't work here anymore either. You know, it's like, so, so I get that. I, I was, I was harsher when I was a chef. I've mellowed out a lot. Um, we were talking about biggest surprise earlier. And one was that, you know, you never ask volunteers. You're just this magnet. Um, yeah. I guess it's, why do you think that is? Is it, is it because of the, the other thing you said is it's such a social community and everybody talks. Just, as, yeah. And there's, because it's, we, we are, we are blessed with the fact that we have a very large international community. We have 38,000 students in this town. What? And the town itself is only about 250,000. Um, so when the students come, they're, they're, volunteering is sort of a way of life here in Norway. If, if you don't volunteer, then something is wrong with you, <laughs> generally speaking, most people, most people feel. And... So when people go to look to to increase their community and to have that place where they belong, and maybe something that's just not a student organization or it's not just about the country I come right. from or it's not just about you know the engineering department, they find us and, I mean, even as much as they go, I'm watching a TED video. I wonder if there's a TEDx in this town. Oh. So they kind of, they, they come with this sort of, I know TED. Mm-hmm does Ted exist here? You know, and then they get curious and here we are. <laughs> and then they just, they go, they send us these, these beautiful applications where they're like, Oh my God, my favorite video is, and you know, I know what you guys do. And, and I've heard so much good stuff oh about you. And they just, I love that. and it's funny when they sit down across from me and they sit down across from our, our HR director for interviews, we know, we know when they're right. Mm-hmm. We interview everybody because we want to make sure that, we don't want to exclude anybody, but there's sort of that, do they got it? Do, do they understand? And are they, are they really going to be in it? And they always are. They always are. Does um, the fact that you have such a huge student population, does the transient nature of a student population work to your advantage? It does in some respects. And sometimes it's a bit of a disadvantage. Um, we ask for about a year and most of our students are that come to us end up being masters and PhD students. So, so they're going to be around. Any, yeah. They're going to be around right now. I actually have three people who are, have only six months left and they said, you know what? I just want to spend some time with you. Two of them. Um, one is, has created almost our entire social year calendar 
it's his thing. He loved for his, he's Nepalese and inside of his group, he created all these social events. So he's made all these social events for us to carry us through the year. Another man who's also Nepalese found all these really interesting marketing channels that we had never thought about. He's giving us access to his entire brain so we can write that all down and use those channels. I just interviewed a Here, woman. Here, here's my um, brain. Use it. <laughs> use it. And I, I uh, brought on a Malaysian woman today who she did the Toastmasters Club uh, where she is oh, studying in, in Scotland. And she went, I don't know what I have to give. And I said, oh, my gosh, we need help training all of our new speaker coaches. Right. Oh, and so coach have, train the trainers. Yeah. We have one woman who has a communications degree, and she's one of our veterans. There's only about four of us who are speaker coach veterans, maybe five. And we need much more than that. Right. Um, so she's going to use what she knows from from doing public speaking and Toastmasters. And I'm going to have her meet up with our 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 veteran communications coach and they're going to help train all the all the speaker coaches how do you find speakers we we go at it like this we go what are the typical you know the the what we like to call the ted ted channels like the dazzle the the inspirational story the the you know the hard tech so we go with those ideas and we write those at the top of the page and then underneath it we just brainstorm things that we've heard like um, the dazzle idea, um, for us, we're trying to get this man who created a heart stent that now, do you import so you your speakers? Do you import? We, we try to have the majority come from our own town. We want okay. to support our local area, but okay. we do bring in from Europe. We do bring in from the rest of Norway. And last year we had a man, um, from Stanford come in and give a talk. And for listeners who are trying to figure out how you do that, because we can't pay, we don't pay speakers, right? That's where, nope, can, we do, do, you, not pay do you cover travel logistics? We do case? cover travel. Right. So that puts a little bit of a burden on raising money. Um, yes. But it, you know, right, because you, you know, you, you need to do that. You need to, you know, these people are putting in hundreds of hours of work. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 what's in it for them is, They've got a TED talk, but you know, exactly. you, you need to, um, you it's need a to golden help. carrot. Yeah. It, <laughs> I hadn't heard that before. It's a golden carrot. Oh, that's my t-shirt for the show. Um, I love, um, taking slogans and turning them into t-shirts. It's a golden carrot. Thank you for that. One of the, You're welcome. What, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Vikings. Uh, it's, it's, uh, said that Sylvester is actually Sylvestri, which comes from Scandinavia as the keeper of the forest. And, yeah. uh, I, um, I, so I love storytelling. I love Viking stories. I love all of that. And in all of these stories, there's always a, a challenge. There's some drama. I like to call it the dragon, um, what's the dragon at TEDx Trondheim? The dragon is the money. I'm oh. not going to lie. The dragon is the money. And the reason is, is that Norwegians, it's very much about who you know. Okay. You okay. We, because we've always been such a small group, um, that sort of, and, and the local community, they know who we are and then they don't know who we are at the same point in time. So being able to um, establish those partnerships um, and have them be long-term and be in large enough amounts, because Scandinavia is expensive, I'm not going to lie. Um, it just is. 
And we're talking like Bay Area, <laughs> you know, expensive. So right. there's there's a very large cost associated with things. And we do ask for deals and all that stuff. But being able to have those long-term partnerships was very hard because it was a wild tribe. It was MacGyver, get it done with duct tape and chicken wire sort of right. thing. Right, right. But in the last year after our last event, um, our founder Martin and I sat down and and I said, it can't, it can't quite be like this anymore because we're going to burn our people out. We're going to burn out. We barely made our funding last year. I, you know, it was like the event was gorgeous. Like you would never notice it in our audience that on the other side we're going, ah, you know, having these two <laughs> o'clock in the morning like panic attacks. Yeah. Um, don't let them see a so, sweat. Don't let them see a sweat. Nope. And um, so for me right now, I'm actually in the middle of, of trying to get my funding in long-term partners. We were just granted level two. Uh, license. Congratulations. That's Thank a you. big deal. Which, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, so you have to, one of, so for, for those who don't know level two, tell us what a level two license means. Level two license. Um, it frees us from one of the things that Norwegians get really irritated about, which is we don't have to show video content uh, during our events. We can show just live speakers. Right. It allows us to have partners at a higher um, value. We don't have a cap on that. Right. It, it raises the ticket price cap as well. It also requires that we hold a uh, organizer's workshop um, to help bolster the the rest of the organizers in our area or region, and that we become a mentor for um, new groups that want to come up and and have their own TEDx um, right, as well. Right. So it, it does require a lot more planning. We can have much bigger events as well. We can have them over a day and a half as well if we want to. So there's a lot more flexibility for us, but there are very strict requirements that you have to meet. And Give me an example have, of one of those. One of those is having consecutive events. Um, my brain is so filled with so many numbers right now. I can't remember <laughs> the exact number of people you have to have at your event. Um, but you have to have a... a a YouTube video that's got over 35,000 views. Um, we are lucky if anybody's seen the news, one of our speaker coaches, um, who is also a TED translator, Marlene Lachey, she is the woman who has the most translated TED or TEDx talk, um, in oh the my. entire at 72,000 or seven, uh, sorry, 72, not 72,000, man, that'd be insane. Um, 72 different languages. So, you know, her view, her her video has now been seen. I can't even tell you how many times. Oh my um, gosh! I, so there's, I love there's that. Doesn't that make you feel so? Uh, as a, as an organizer, there's this one thing I wish. If if you're listening, you can write this code for us. Let me know. Um, when you go to your show page, your uh, YouTube page, and you've got your twelve, sixteen, you have all of those. I would love to be able to tally all the views with one click mm. instead of got to go in and go, how many, how many, how many? And I, cause how I, many views are on this video? <laughs> right. Cause one of the, uh, one of the things I use when I go talk to, we've got a presenting partner who kind of is the large funder for it. And, uh, he just likes to know when I go in and say, we're at 285,000 views of all of the videos. He just likes that number. And I think as organizers, our job is to get ideas out of the world and to spread them. So numbers matter in that case. So if someone has got a hack on that, let me know. What? what yeah, because sitting with a calculator and going through all your YouTube videos, oh, yeah. we've it, had. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> what? What advice would you give to other organizers? 
here's here's my advice, um, and this is this is something that comes from my background um, in hotels, and because, and I'm going to start there. That if you don't have your departments organized, and you don't have a good flow of communication, your kitchen will burn down. This year, what we have done different is we have very distinct teams. We have managers and directors. So every person who's at the top of a team, um, not because they're better than anybody else, but because, you know, they have the burning passion to do it. They have a backup. They have a buddy. So that Mm. way no team is ever left leaderless. Mm. That there is a, we know who the, where the flow of information goes. That when you, um, not what, not only verbally where the, the communication is, but specifically we work in Google uh, Google Suite, Google Drive. That's yep. our hive mind. Yep. That you must keep the same clean organization there as well. So that way, every year you start with, we we have, our Google Drive has a, a folder for each team. Inside that team, there's a folder for each year. Inside that folder, there's a folder for each event. So that way, when we go back and we want to go, what did we do good? What did we not do good? Who were our previous partners? What did our previous um, budgets look like? Put that in a nice clean spreadsheet. Keep your information clean so that way if somebody leaves or if somebody gets sick or whatever, that anybody can step into that position and go, I see what they were doing. I know where to go. I can pick this up and I can run with it. I'm just getting ready to set up a whole new, get our 2017 dialed. I'm listen, I'm going to go listen to this part of the show again. That was, I, and I just, again, your, your chefness is showing because clean kitchen, you know, everything's in its place and it's always there. And when you're in a mad rush and you reach for something, it best be there and it best be clean and well-ordered. And I love that about you already for your, for this year's event. What are you most looking forward to? I, this is going to sound really strange, but, um, it's going to be, it's always, it's always the speakers, right? It's always, it's always that thing. But the thing that I know this is going to sound so crazy. It's okay. No one's listening. It's all right. But the venue, Oh. because we, we have always been sort of in the, the, the small theater houses, the, um, just these really cool funky buildings. And right. last year we took, we decided on this one building. It's very beautiful. It had a beautiful hall, but the support wasn't there inside the building. Yeah. Right. I know. And I so know. it was, it was beautiful, but it was very, very hard, especially physically. Mm. So being hotel and chef, I marched my happy self into <laughs> our biggest hotel with the biggest ballroom because at 400 people we sold out and we went, if at 400 we sold out and people in the, in the, the, the comment we kept getting is book, we, you aren't visible enough. Like the community doesn't know who you are, but we sold it at 400. So I went, if we can sell it at 400 and then this upcoming year with the whole very well organized business structured plan that we right, went with, this, right, you know, right. we're going to get more than that. We need more space. So I went to this hotel that can hold like 1800 people. And I said, I want your entire ballroom. I want your entire expo mingling area. I want your meeting rooms. I want, I want this whole thing. And how, what kind of deal can you give me? Cause Cause I don't have any money. I don't have any money. <laughs> I got, I'm really nice. You like me. I got a good smile. <laughs> you know exactly. And um, I got the entire ballroom. Wow. The entire, I mean, the whole space. And 
they're going to set up all the chairs. We have uh, our production company last year. They were freelancers. They did it for free. They got an amazing job. They had to take it 13 days before our event. Um, oh, and we oh. went, okay, we're not going to be doing that again. So we have a professional production company that's going to come in and set up our, our stage, our screens, our lighting, our sound, our video. Um, so though the, the venue and the production, having that look clean and um, th- that, that sort of infrastructure be there, and then be in a space that that physically it's really unique. It's got these beautiful geodesic walls. Oh, it has wow. really cool LED lights. And so we're going to be able to have 600 people in this space comfortably, amphitheater style, um, with like big screens so we can actually show our speakers up on a screen. So that way everybody in the room, no matter where they're mm-hmm, sitting, can mm-hmm, see our speaker. Mm-hmm. Just that, the ease of 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 physical movement and that ability to have a blank space you can turn it into your space just tickles me pink i um you have to promise to send production photos and i will add them when that happens i'll add them to the post because the the thing that's great about the podcast is it's evergreen and people will some people might listen to this two years from the date we're recording it and uh, i want to have pictures of that because you're so excited you're just lit up and i i'm just i'm thrilled for you um if i gave you a plane ticket to anywhere in the world and you could go to a tedx and uh, just your dream come true, which one would it be? Sydney. You know, I'm uh, that that is uh, clearly the one that's uh, winning uh, in all the people <laughs> I've not that it's not a competition, but um, that is a, uh, a very sweet event. And uh, we're fortunate yeah. enough at TEDx Santa Barbara to have our marketing and strategy tribe is run out of Sydney. So they have a company that's oh, in cool. Sydney and in Santa Barbara and people on the team work on TEDx Sydney. So we have a, a like a I'm thinking of doing like a sister city thing where you could have sister oh, TEDx's, wouldn't that be cool? That um, would be so cool. So you heard it here kids. So uh, we'll we'll figure out how to do that. I want to I want to finish the show because I you know, I, I try to do these in 30 minutes, but the conversations are so interesting. I can't. So, listener, thank you so much for staying with me. Um, the show's called Hacking the Red Circle. I don't need to explain hacking to you. You understand that. It's how do we um, take our, you know, very hard-earned partner dollars and gifts and turn them into a, an event that looks like a million bucks. What's your best hack? The best hack, honestly, and this is going to sound so simple, but make sure, make sure that your staff, see, I don't call them volunteers, they're staff, that they know how integral and important they are and how much, I mean, I love, I love, I know every single one of those, every single one, and I love them. Um, Because without them and their dedication and their love and passion, and creating that environment, that thing that you feel when you walk in the door. You can't, you can't put money on that. Right. You can't. And that, that creates the entire event. Because you can sit in any conference and listen to brilliant people speak. But if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't move you, 
because all of a sudden you walk into an experience. You don't create an experience. You walk into it. It's a mm. thing that exists mm-hmm. when you get in the door. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the people running it and the people volunteering. I love that. I want to say that again. You, you said you, you don't create an experience. You walk into it. Yep. I love that. I, I want to end the show on that. That is... Um, you know, again, I feel so fortunate getting to do this show and getting to help other organizers and getting to talk because we, it's those little gems that come out in a conversation and hopefully my ears are, are fine-tuned to hear those and, uh, you know, and help. Thank you so much. I You're really welcome. appreciate getting to meet you and, and uh, hear about your story. The, just all of, the, all of the bits we talked about are fascinating. And good, good luck on your show this year. And uh, please uh, tell, do you live stream? We are trying to figure out the logistics of that. Um, It's sort of one of those things where we have considered it, but in the past we haven't. So it's kind of something we can talk to our production company about. But we have, it's sort of one of those things where like, do we do it? Do we not do it? Well, if you do, let us know and we'll we'll help amplify that. And we'll, um, not like you need any more diversity, but we could get you, (laughs) we get you some more views. Jennifer, really thank like you for you. joining us on Hacking the Red Circle. You're welcome. Thank you for thank you for doing this cool thing. Yeah, you know the Red Circle. It's you can. There's nothing like a big Red Circle. I know it. Love you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show, or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to Mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.